And everybody said yes, right? Yes. Yes, Lord. Yes. 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 God, we say yes to all of that. Yes to you. Yes to your spirit. We say yes to hope. Yes to joy. Yes to being loved by you. We say yes, 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 yes. We say yes, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. <laughs> uh, well, God is good. And, uh, you know, it's funny, I was actually reading a book the other day by a really brilliant guy, like multiple PhD guy, super smart, and he was talking about the futility of hope, and I thought, what a jerk. Uh, because God, I mean, hope, right? The pillars, the things that God gives us to hold on to is faith, hope, and love, right? The greatest is love. And like, as believers, we should be people of hope. Like our whole, like what we project should be hope, right? We should not be believers who are projecting doom and gloom, who are projecting who are projecting just yuck, you know? We should be people who are projecting hope. And uh, that's just, I mean, we have the hope within us. You know, I mean, come on. So, uh, in case we haven't yet met, I think I've met all of you. I'm Lee. I'm the lead pastor here. Uh, let's go ahead and put our mission statement up and say it together. We are living a passionate mission to love, grow, and go for the greater glory of God. That's right. So we're loving Jesus. We're loving each other. We're growing in Christ. We're going. We're serving the neighbor. I'm so excited. We just got a new roof on the building across the street. So now both roofs are new, the upper and lower. So I'm so excited about that, which means we can finally repair the ceiling in our renter's bedroom. <laughs> And poor thing has had this, you know, drywall that got all wet and came down, and it's been exposed for months, so we finally get to fix that. And I'm very excited about just blessing our neighborhood, moving a little closer all the time. And so, but today, what we're doing is uh, we are continuing our series on 2 Corinthians. Is anybody reading 2 Corinthians along with us? Yeah, a couple people. Amazing book. Amazing. Read it slowly. You know what I'm saying? Just like read it slowly, reread it, uh, read it out loud to yourself, let your spirit hear what you're saying. Uh, it's a great book. But Paul wrote, remember we've been talking, saying this every week, Paul wrote 2 Corinthians as sort of a response letter because there were some grumpy people who didn't like 1 Corinthians. If they didn't like 1 Corinthians, they were like, fine, I'll write a 2 Corinthians. You want to make a third? You know what I'm saying? So like uh, Paul's writing 2 Corinthians um, they didn't honor Paul's leadership. That was a lot of it. Um, and within their culture of their church, you know, it's funny, every church seems to have a culture, doesn't it? You ever notice that? Like, even walk into some churches, like, I used to belong to a denomination where I could walk into one church in that denomination and then go a couple states over and walk into another church of that denomination, and it smelled the same. Like, you know, I, every kind of church has its own sort of Smell, of course, our smell right now is basement rot. I don't know what is down there, but uh, we're going to figure it out, people. Um, 
But, you know, our church has a culture, different churches have a culture, and this, their, their church culture was one of sort of like spiritual one-upsmanship. You know, they're Pharisees, you know, very influenced by the Pharisees. There's some spiritual one-upsmanship going on. You, maybe you've been in churches like that where you hear a couple guys talking and, and, and their sort of like one-upsmanship isn't, you know, uh, who's got a better pickup truck, but it's like who knows the word better. Like, I remember one time I was in a Bible study where two guys were having this little theological debate. And this, this little guy who had just kind of gotten saved, still was super rougher on the edges, like stops these guys in the middle of the argument and goes, you know, it just seems to me that the two of you are just trying to impress the rest of us. Like, he completely like busted them, you know. And so I would imagine that was sort of like what was going on in, in Paul's day. And so... You know, the longer that I walk with Jesus, which has been a long time now, since June 8th, 1982. So uh, I, was, uh, I was 11 years old. I was, I'm not that old. You're older than me, Vince. Vince is back there going, you're old, you're old. Okay, whatever, I've seen your cane. And so, <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> but I've been walking with Jesus for a long time, long time. And uh, I, I see that there's lots of perspectives around walking with Jesus. There's a lot of different perspectives. And um, when I first became a Christian, my perspective around being a Christian was all of, was this sort of like, just this is my way out of hell. And, and it was like, this is how I get into heaven. This is my ticket to heaven as I, I say a prayer and I attend church. And, and that was my perspective back in the day. And for some people, Christianity is this long list of thou shalt nots. It's like, the, it's like their, their idea, their perspective of Christianity is really more about all the things that they shouldn't do or can't do or won't do. And um, again, it's about kind of obeying the rules so once again they can get into heaven. I, I wish that most people would just, you know what, heaven, whatever, it'll be there. But I wish you'd just forget about it for now. <laughs> right? Because there's so much happening here. And there's so much that God wants to do in us and through us. And it's not so much about going to heaven, it's about bringing heaven here. And I, and I really believe that. But uh, for some people, it's about, uh, it's almost like they, they've, 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 is glom, is that still a word these days? They glom onto a sort of countercultural Christianity. And that's kind of, that's like their thing, right? And, uh, and they kind of live in a way that shows that they don't have to follow the rules. They're like the opposite of the other people I just talked about, you know, where it's about following rules. And there's some people like, I don't have to follow the rules, and you know what, I'm super proud of that, right? And they have freedoms, and they're going to exercise those freedoms, even if it's not even wise to do so, right? And there's sort of that kind of perspective now within Christianity. And for some people, it's all about living abundantly, Right? Living your best life now. That's, that's also a, a very you know, popular perspective within Christianity. And it's kind of about walking in prosperity and walking in blessing and all those things. And then there's other people who it's just like their perspective is, I'm just getting by. God, just give me enough to get by. God, just give me my daily bread. Right? And, uh, and, and, and Lord, I'll just be happy if you give me my daily bread. 
But you know what? No matter where you lie, no matter whether you're a countercultural Christian or you're a rule-following Christian or you're a walking in prosperity or you're a just-getting-by Christian or whether you're just looking for, you know, insurance, heaven insurance or whatever, no matter where you lie on the faith spectrum, there's one thing, there's one thing that Jesus promised every believer, every one of them, suffering. How's that for a sales pitch? Right? <laughs> Jesus promised everybody suffering. And, and, and so, like, we shouldn't be surprised when we experience suffering because Jesus says right there in John 16, he says, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. That's the words of Christ himself. You will have many trials and sorrow. Your, your life will look like a country western song from time to time. He says, but take heart. Take heart because I have overcome the world. And I don't know like, how you feel about this, but some days I would really like to remove that passage from the Bible. I like to go, that's not what Jesus meant. Jesus, when he said suffering, he, he actually was trying to say, uh, uh, winning, and it just came out, and there was some sort of like misinterpretation in the Greek, and uh, wouldn't that be awesome? But it's not. And so some days, have, how many have ever seen that movie Hot Rod? Do you remember where he's dancing in the woods, and he trips over the log, and for like three and a half minutes, he's tumbling down the mountain? I actually had that clip. I was going to show it to you, but we had a tough technical difficulty called I Forgot. And, uh, but, <laughs> but he just tumbles, and he falls, and he keeps tumbling, and he keeps falling, and he's bouncing off of trees, and he's, you know, and I feel like that is how life is sometimes, where we might spend days, or weeks, or months, where it just feels like, oh, God, please, <laughs> you know, make gravity stop for just a little bit, and uh, make it so that I will stop tumbling, because I'm overwhelmed, I'm beat up, I'm exhausted, and uh, I really could use a break. I could use a little oxygen, a little air. If you've ever seen that movie, The Pursuit of Happiness, where Will Smith's character makes a $250 sale, and he was so poor, he was homeless, and he was sleeping in a, a bus st station bathroom, and he said, $250. That's a few days of air, you know? And we feel that way sometimes. If I just had a little air, a little oxygen, a little break from all the crap storm that just keeps on coming. And are usually when this happens, and we're kind of in seasons like this, and I know some of you guys are in seasons like this. A lot of times what we do is when we're suffering, we ask why, right? Am I the only one who ever asks why? Okay, a few other people ask why, one or two of you. We ask why, and if you're and if you've been a Christian for a long time, and and you might even go into some like an unhealthy, uh, an unhealthy self-examination. We go through bad times. If you're because a lot of Christians, what they do is they go, well, you know, maybe it's because I watched that movie last week. Maybe it's because I haven't prayed enough lately. Maybe it's because my grandmother on my father's side owned a Ouija board. Maybe it's because, you know, and we start to ask 
Why is this happening? Is it because I'm not behaving right? Is it because my faith is low? And we kind of, you know, we ask why and we make it about ourselves. But you know what? We've talked about this in the past. Why is the most useless, unproductive question we could ever ask about suffering? It is completely useless. All right? Because what why what we do what happens when we ask why it actually triggers something in our brain that makes us unable to get out of it it actually makes us stuck and it it limits our ability to think productively about our suffering and it keeps us from growing and it keeps us from learning about ourselves why keeps us locked up it keeps us from moving forward so if you're suffering and you're asking why, all you're doing is prolonging your suffering. Woo! All right? So why is the bad question? So what can we learn? What can we take from Paul's second letter to the Corinthians about suffering? We're going to talk about that, but let's pray real quick. God, we love you. We thank you. We thank you for your presence in this place. We thank you for uh, just loving us the way that you do. We thank you that in you we have limitless hope. And so, God, we pray that you would cause your word to come alive in us, to bear fruit in us, to transform us. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Okay, so let's go ahead. We are going to read 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 8 through 15. And you're like, well, didn't we just kind of read this scripture a few weeks ago? And yes, we read part of this scripture a few weeks ago. We're going to take a look at, at it from another perspective, though. It says this. It says, we are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. Look at the neighbor, at your neighbor and say, we are not crushed. We are not crushed, right? We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we get up again. Nothing's going to keep us down. I'm just kidding. Uh, we get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Yes, we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus so that the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies. So we live in the face of death, but this resulted in eternal life for you. But we continue to preach because we have the same kind of faith the psalmist had when he said, I believe in God, so I spoke. We know that God, who raised the Lord Jesus, will also raise us with Jesus and, be pre and present us to himself together with you. And all of this is for your benefit. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving and God will receive more and more glory. Wow. You know, I find it really, 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 really interesting, off my notes, but... One of the greatest potential for bringing glory to God. One of the things in our lives that has the most potential to glorify God and to bring honor to Him and to bring praise and glory to Him is our suffering. Amen. Right? And so if you remember one thing this morning, remember this. God doesn't want to take you out of your suffering and bring you into heaven. He wants to bring heaven to you in your suffering. He wants to bring heaven to you in your suffering. So when you're going through a hard time right now, be like, hey, I have, there's an incredible potential to experience heaven right now. He wants to bring heaven to you in your suffering. 
At no point, at no point at all, does Paul talk about getting out of his troubles. Nowhere. Read that chapter. He's never like, you know what, guys? We're going to find a way out of this. He doesn't say that. He's not like, but you know what? Here's what we're going to do. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna form a nonprofit. We're going to get legal protection. We're going to whatever. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't do those things. And I'm not saying that I'm against those things. I'm just saying at no point is Paul going, hey, we're gone. Well, let's try to get out of this suffering. And so Christianity, it was never meant to be an escapist religion where we just sit around and we long for the sweet by and by. Right? I remember being a part of a small church down south where it was like, on a good Sunday, there was 15 people there, and uh, they would sing this song, they would sing this song, uh, almost every, it seemed like they sang it almost every Sunday, right? No more pain, no more sorrows, inside those gates is home, dun, dun, right? <laughs> bum, bum, bum. And so, like, it, 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 they would sing, it was almost like they were kind of like biding their time until they can go into this better place where there's no more sorrow and there's no more pain and God will wipe away every tear. And you know what? There will come a day. There will come a day. There will come a day when that happens. But I don't believe that that's to be our focus. All right? And so, uh, you know, we live and we walk in a real world of suffering. There is suffering all around us. Take a walk around the block before you get in your car and leave today. You'll see suffering, right? Open the, don't look at the news. Forget about the news just for a day, okay? The news sucks. But uh, there's suffering. There's suffering everywhere. There's pain. There's tragedy. Those of you who work with Royal Family Kids Camp, you know that there is tragedy like you would not believe amongst these children. And God wants you to experience him in the midst of your tragedy in the midst of your suffering, in the midst of your sorrow, okay? In the midst of it all. And so this, this is one of the most powerful things in the kingdom of God. I mean, like, you know, we all love worship. That's powerful, right? We just encounter God here during worship. But I believe that in our, in our suffering, we can even encounter him more than that. In our suffering, we can experience him. That's so powerful. This is the power of the kingdom of God. This is where we encounter God and others encounter God through us, right? We can encounter God through worship, which we do, which we love, but you know what? Other people don't watch us worship and encounter him. But when we encounter God in our suffering, other people see that. And according to Paul, right, they encounter God. God is glorified. And so uh, God doesn't want to take you out of your suffering and bring you into heaven. He wants to bring heaven to you in your suffering. So there's a couple ways that we experience this. The first thing is, never give up. Never give up. Never give up. I love it. I, I introduced my son to the movie Braveheart last night. And I think he really enjoyed it when he wasn't looking at his phone. But I think he really loved it. <laughs> Hudson. So I think he really enjoyed it. But one of my favorite parts of the movie, and it, it hardest parts to watch, is at the end when he's being tortured. And they're telling him, just cry out for mercy and we'll make it stop. Just cry out for mercy and we'll make it stop. And even in the end, when he is in extreme pain, he's literally he's being drawn and quartered, he's being tortured, he refuses to quit. And instead of crying out to mercy, he cries out freedom, right? And so uh, 
we tend to be a people today uh, in our culture where we place comfort at a really higher high value. Like I, we place comfort at a much higher value than it deserves, right? I mean, I know I used to work for uh, heating and air conditioning places. A place. Do you know what I was? I was called a comfort consultant. I was called a home comfort consultant. Let's make your home the perfect temperature so that you are comfortable all the time. And of course, our our uh, our desire for comfort has actually harmed a lot of us. It's harmed our culture, right? Be, you know what? Being comfortable all the time physically is actually not good for your health. You know, being comfortable all the time at the perfect temperature and all those things actually causes our immune system to kind of settle down and go, okay, just relax. We're comfortable. It's all good, right? And so we are a people that have really, really uh, valued comfort much higher than we deserve it to. And so what do we do when we're in pain? We reach for Tylenol, right? Like some people can't even just tolerate a little headache. They get a little headache, I got to take something, right? When our relationships get difficult, we split, right? When, our, when our, the people at our job get under our skin, we got to look for a new one, right? And it's almost like we, we have our, our ability to endure has really diminished. Our ability to endure has really, really diminished. And so a lot of times we'll bail out before God even has a chance to meet us where we are. Sometimes I believe that we'll bail out just this close to our miracle, just this close to our promotion, just this close to our breakthrough, and we will just bail out, right? And we should never give up. Miracles happen when we don't quit. Miracles happen when we don't quit. And it gives the Holy Spirit a chance to speak wisdom, to wisdom to us, to infuse us with courage, to shape our character, to be more Christ-like. I mean, think about, you know, Thomas Edison, how many failures did he have before he finally got the light bulb to work? Could you imagine if he would have, like, went, ah, oh, forget about it. You know, we'd be like, we'd have candles in here today, maybe, you know. But it's so important that we don't quit. Christians should be known as the people who never give up, you know. Christians should be known as the people who never give up. And uh, sometimes I think that, you know, if we just let the devil know, I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up. Have anybody ever done that? You just look at it. You just, you know what, devil? I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up. A lot of times he just lets up. He lets up because we're not giving up. And so we need to be people who just don't quit, who don't quit. And the next thing is, is, you know, I talked about the why question. We need to ask what instead of why. This is so important in suffering. This is so important in suffering. You know, I mentioned earlier, why is the worst question we can ever ask in the midst of suffering? Instead, we can ask, what? What can I learn from this? Right? That's a good question. Or, here's a good question, what are the opportunities here? If I'm suffering, one of the best questions you can ask, what are the opportunities here? And maybe that suffering is, you know, the opportunity is, I, you know what, I can improve my health. I can come up with some, some solutions at my job instead of complaining about my job, right? So easy. Oh, man, don't you guys hate it when you have complainers come up to you at work? You just want to grab them and go, you know what? Unless you got a solution, I don't want to hear it. Some of y'all should do that, all right? Oh, man, challenge. Who accepts? <laughs> Thank you, Lori. Okay, who's not even working right now. So, uh... 
<laughs> She's going to do that at home. So, you know what? I, we need to be people who look for the opportunities. What are the opportunities here? Or what can I do that will bring glory to God? What can I do that will bring glory to God? You know, or asking, what is God's perspective? What is God's perspective? It helps us to bring hope and to bring understanding because God never takes a hopeless posture. You know, when you're going through suffering and you're going through a hard time, God is never up there going, I don't know. I don't know what you're going to do. Uh, I'll ask the angels, you know. As God is, he's always comes with a perspective of hope. He always comes with his perspective of faith. He always comes with it because he know what he sees with an eagle perspective, right? He sees from a higher perspective. A lot of times our perspective is like, you guys remember when you were a little kid and you couldn't see past people's kneecaps? Your perspective was totally low, right? But if you were an eagle, if you could fly, if you could see far above, you know, you could see for miles. I remember the first time I ever rode on an airplane. I was like, I'm sitting in the airplane. I was like, wow, look at those. They look like ants down there. My mom was like, they are ants. We haven't taken off yet. And I'm like, <laughs> and so, but I mean, you see from a different perspective than you've ever seen before. You see for miles and miles and miles and miles away. And you go, God, what is your perspective? What's your perspective? I know sometimes through what we're going through right now, like it's hard to see. Like, I don't know about you. I'm just speaking personally. Sometimes with this pandemic, it's hard to see like after the pandemic. It's hard to see. You know, it's hard to get like a higher perspective. I'm like, is this going to go on forever? Are we going to, you know, is this, is this this whole thing where, you know, we've got the, the sword, the, is it Damocles? The sword of Damocles dangling over us, you know, if, if we don't behave and social distance and all that stuff. It's just going to keep coming back forever and ever. And, you know, will there ever be an end to this? And sometimes it's hard and I have to go, God, what's your perspective? God, what's your perspective? And God always has a perspective of hope. And so, you know, it's, it's difficult, but we can ask, God, what is your perspective? Brings hope, brings understanding. And then the third thing is, 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 and this is so important, it's that suffering amplifies your witness. Let suffering amplify your witness, right? Think of all the times that you saw Jesus more clearly when you watch someone else go through suffering patiently, right? When you watch somebody else go through suffering praising God. When you watch somebody else serving others, even though they themselves were suffering and needed to be served. Those were times when I saw Jesus more clearly, right, than any other times. It was in people going through suffering with their eyes on Jesus. And they were full of hope. Wow. Let suffering amplify your witness. Paul said that his suffering allowed others to see the life of Jesus in him. Say that again. Paul said that, that, that he allowed his suffering, that, that others saw Jesus more clearly in him. Okay? And so uh, it's so important. In fact, Paul said that others experienced eternal life because of his suffering. Others experienced eternal life because of his suffering. Wow. You know, we, we talked just a minute ago about, like, not giving up. You know, how many times, you know, that, that when, when, you know, like, as pastors, when you and I have experienced this many times where somebody is going through a little suffering, and the first thing they do is they want to stop serving everyone. 
you know, they, they want to they kind of like give everything up. You know, so I'm going through some suffering, uh, I'm overwhelmed, and so look, I can't, I, I, I can't greet for right now, or I can't, whatever. And so, you know, and I, I get that. Sometimes you just feel like you want to just stop the world and let me get off, right? But there are other times that I believe that God wants you to go, you know what? Keep moving forward. RFK value, right? Keep treating others royally. Keep serving others. Keep, you know, keep moving forward. And there's so much value in our ability to keep moving forward in our suffering. That's so important. Again, there are times, there are seasons in our life, we need a little rest. We need a Sabbath. That's important. That's super important. Wendy and I are taking a few weeks off here soon, and I can't wait, right? Sometimes you need that. But a lot of times when we're going through suffering, when we're feeling overwhelmed, what we need to do is keep moving forward. Keep moving. And that's hard. It is hard. I'm not saying that's easy. I'm not saying that's easy at all. If you've ever done that, you all, you all remember, I didn't take any time off when my dad passed away. And part of that was I just felt like I was supposed to just keep moving forward. Keep moving forward. Keep moving forward. Keep loving others. And you know what? Loving other people brought me peace and comfort. Wow. It's awesome how God works that way, right? You know? And so uh, let suffering amplify your witness. Okay? And so we, we, we can't have a testimony without a test. Old cliche, but you can't have a testimony without a test. And our determination to trust in the goodness of God and not give up, it speaks so much louder than any sermon that I could ever preach. So, 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 so much louder. And so the last thing is this. Invite the Lord into your suffering. Invite the Lord into your suffering. Invite Him in. It's not about begging him to get you out of it, though sometimes he does, but it's about inviting him into it. God, walk with me through this season. Walk with me through this hard time. Walk with me through this tragedy. Walk with me through this suffering. Walk with me through this pain. God, walk with me through it. Invite him into your suffering. Invite him in. If you hate your job, invite God to come on your job with you. God, come with me. Come with me and give me your eyes. Give me your ears. Give me your perspective. All right, if you're going through a hard time, if you're sick and can't get out of bed, invite God just to come with you and sit with you, right, into, in your sickness, right? And so invite the Lord into your suffering. Invite him into your suffering. And you know what? That's how I want to close this morning. So all I want to do is I just want to invite the Lord into our suffering. That's all I want to do. I just want to invite the Lord into our suffering. And, uh, you know, Jesus doesn't guarantee that there's not going to be days when we feel like we are tumbling down the mountain, right? But he does promise. He does promise to be with us. And he does tell us to take courage because he's overcome the world. And so all I want to do is this. If you are in a, we'll just call it a suffering season in your life. Maybe you are going through some pretty deep depression, either because of the pandemic or not because of the pandemic. Maybe you, man, maybe you are just living under anxiety because you don't know if your, your workplace is going to be able to sustain you in the middle of all this. Or maybe it's relationship pain or you're going through suffering. All I want you to do is just stand up with me. And let me pray for you. And let's just pray and invite the Holy Spirit into your suffering. 
into your difficult time. And we're just going to believe that he's going to meet you. And I'm not saying that God, you know, is going to come and take you out of this. That's not what we're praying this morning. We're praying that God will come and bring heaven into your suffering. Does that sound good? All right. Why don't you guys stand, just while you're standing there, just hold your hands out. An inviting posture, right? Inviting the Lord. You guys watching or listening at home, go ahead and just, just... Stand where you are and, and, and hold out your arms like this. And we're just going to invite the Holy Spirit into your suffering. We're going to invite him together. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come into our suffering. I pray for every person standing pray that you would move on them and move in them. And if you're standing, you go ahead and just whisper that prayer. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Come into my pain. Come into my suffering. Come. Come with your peace. Come with your presence. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would begin to stir hope in every person standing with their arms out today. That you would stir fresh hope in them. That you would begin to uh, infuse them with iron steel resolve. A resolve and conviction to hope a resolve and a conviction to gain your perspective on their lives right now. God, I pray, oh God, that they would sense and feel and know your presence with them in their suffering. God, I pray that you would help them to uh, gain a glimpse of your perspective And Lord, that when they are feeling in pain, in suffering, in that sense of hopelessness, God, that that would be their cue to invite you in. That that would be their cue to invite you in, God, and ask you, in the midst of this, God, what are the opportunities? Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come. Come, Holy Spirit. Oh, Lord, come. Come. Come, Holy Spirit. This is, this is weird, but I think it might be from the Lord. But I keep seeing a picture of a football. Uh, and I'm like, God, why do you keep showing me a football? 
And he said, you know, that football gets kicked, that football gets tossed, that football gets knocked around. But at the end of the day, the football's fine, and the people on the field knocking that thing around are all beat up. <laughs> and that might be a word for some of you. You feel like you're getting knocked around, kicked, tossed back and forth. But God says at the end of the day, it's the people doing the tossing. They're going to be beat up, and you're going to be just fine. So if that means anything to you, just go ahead and receive that. Just say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord.